0: Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open The Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City who just loves to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. Be warned, you should be 18 and over, and probably be listening with your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jay Pryor. Jay is an LGBTQ activist, author, executive coach, and entrepreneur. They own their own coaching business, as I do. We met through the Mid-America LGBT Chamber of Commerce, and I knew we would have an interesting conversation about a lot of different issues, which included bathroom bills, transgender visibility, why gender reveal parties are problematic, and what exactly it means to be non-binary. I hope you find this episode enlightening and informative, as my main goal really is just to allow people a platform to share their stories. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Jay, I want to welcome you to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I really appreciate you being on my podcast.
1: No, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me.
0: So if I could, I would just want to tell a little bit of background about how we met. Okay. Um I got involved with the well now renamed Mid America LGBT chamber. Mm-hmm. And we've met at a couple of their events mm-hmm. and just kinda got to know each other and I thought that you had a really interesting story and just wanted to meet up with you and let you kinda tell that story.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here with you.
0: So Jay, you're a coach also. I am. Um, we have kind of a little bit different focus, mm-hmm. but can you tell me a little bit more about your focus with your coaching business?
1: Sure, yeah. I'm an executive coach. I predominantly coach executive women or executives, but predominantly women. And I've been a coach for 15 years. So I also do consulting. I have my own signature process uh, where I take companies through. I have a book out called Lean Inside Seven Steps to Personal Power. And the book has a very distinct process. And so that's the process I use with my clients. And it's also the process I use in companies, and inside companies and organizations, our goal is to create a culture where people are actually have time and are able to work on their own lives and personal development on the job. Essentially, employers or employees are at the workplace more than they are anyplace else. Yeah. And so, when I work with companies who actually let their employees work on their own personal lives a little bit at work, they find that, the, that employers are much happier. Mm-hmm. And we also establish a culture of giving up gossip, giving up complaining, making requests when you have a complaint, things like that, so that that's just part of the culture. And the culture is a growing culture where people are taking on their lives and really transforming themselves. And once that culture is established, people who don't want to be part of a growing culture like that will leave. Mm -hmm. So it's a really fun job where I get to go in and work with individuals, groups, and companies on creating a culture that's sustainable, that really works uh, for business. And it's a really fun job.
0: Sounds like it. How did you get into coaching?
1: I was in Washington, D.C., and I, was, and I took a couple of co- personal development courses through mm-hmm. Landmark Education, okay. and they use a coaching model, and that introduced me to the coaching model. And then I found out that there was uh, such a thing as life coaches, and uh-huh. I didn't know that. Like, I just I didn't know it existed. But at the time, I was uh, really happy with everything in my life except my career. Mm-hmm. My career was good. I had a good job. But it was a job working in the furniture industry where I was the project manager for furniture uh-huh. uh, installations, and so I could give a crap about it. Yeah. I mean, it was like I wasn't it wasn't calling me to make a difference, and so before I had had those jobs back in college and being part of the LGBTQ community, I'd been part I'd been like doing workshops and activism and presenting and teaching, those kind of things for years. Mm -hmm. And this kind of got me back into it from a different perspective, from more of a personal development, people growing kind of place. And that just inspired me, and it turns out I was really good at it. And so (laughs) Uh I went to school and started my business, and now I've been in business by myself for 15 years. That's fantastic. In August, yeah, 15 years in August.
0: What was it about the coaching approach that really drew you to it? Because I myself... You know, I have a degree in psychology, and I found coaching through a weight loss company I worked for, and really got drawn into that approach.
1: It's so powerful. It was through Landmark that really had me see that, because I'm somebody who started out in a psychiatric unit at the age of 19, Mm -hmm. uh, after suicidal attempts, suicidal ideation for me from being a young lesbian, and so, you know, I'd done therapy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot, a lot of therapy, excuse me, and so... When I when I had these transformational programs and coaching was part of it, it was like God. If I'd have known about this, I could have saved myself so much money in therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So figure. So it's just a different perspective, and then that was a good start for me. But then from from there, I went on to study the New Thought movement of the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. So I come from a real um, a place where I I take that work, the New Thought movement, the coaching. And then the other piece for me is I'm kind of a neuroscience nerd. I really love the brain. Mm-hmm, and too. I'm not a scientist. Like I'm not, I'm not a mathematician-ish type of scientist type of person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I recently, a couple of years ago, found a course called the Neuroscience Academy for Coaches. And it's a neuroscientist that teaches, coaches all we like the stuff we need to know about the brain that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I come from this approach where if you really understand that your brain is your operating system and it has wired you a particular way and you become conscious of that, then all you need to know is how to figure out how to alter what's going on in your brain, which anybody can do. We just have to figure, we just have to be uh, conscious of the fact that our brain is elastic, right? Mm-hmm we were taught growing up, I'm 50, almost 53, and I was taught growing up that your brain was fixed by the time you were 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. We know that's not true now. The brain is very elastic, and so it can be retrained and relearn almost anything. And they're even finding that people with traumatic brain injuries and all kinds of things can come back from those with the right amount of treatment and repetition and just the right formula, right? Because the brain needs a formula. And so... um, what I love is that knowing that and with the, that with the coach approach, with the spirituality piece um, from New Thought is kind of how I work with that holistic piece of working with human beings. And it's so inspiring to be able to have somebody who, you know, really believes they're they're just done, they're stuck, they're whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then in one conversation, I can change their life. In one conversation, I can get them to see something else is possible and then get them to start moving in a different direction. And over time, once you do this for long, long enough, like I just had this, I have this great you know, job where just two days ago, I was just sharing with, with my wife, someone who took my seminar back in January, who I never met, like I, they, you know, they, they enrolled in my seminar, it was 55 people in the seminar, mm-hmm. they were there, but I never actually physically got a chance to say hi to they them. They were just a face was, in the
0: crowd. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. a face
1: in the crowd sent me a Facebook message letting me know that when they took that seminar, they were stopped and stuck around their fine art and getting it out. And now their picture's up in a gallery that's a quarter mile from my house, and they wanted me to know so I could go by and see it because my seminar caused them the ability to be able to move forward and get that done in their lives. I love that. Yeah, and I get that on a, a regular. And so... My job is so amazing because I get to make a difference, and then I get to see it out in the world, kind
0: of it yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm smiling ear to ear right now because <laughs> as a coach, I yeah, I'm, I'm, a, that's I'm a the baby joy coach compared of being to a coach.
1: It's the joy of being a coach. just yeah. getting to watch that in the world. Yeah. It
0: is. I mean, I'm just starting to really get a taste of that. I've yeah. been in business for about two years now, yeah. and. You know, I'm starting to get the messages from from thankful clients or people who I maybe just had a quick interaction with yeah. and gave them just a little little something to try cool. to you know help them because we of course run into people at networking events or like you say your seminars I've done some workshops and sometimes you don't re- always get the chance to really connect with somebody right. it can just be a, a quick conversation where you feel like you're just trying to give them a little nugget of something right. to, to inspire them or or Hopefully help them come to you as a client, right? Um, But yeah, when you get those messages saying how you've helped somebody, it's well. That's why you doing a
1: podcast is so powerful. I have a podcast, and we and the podcast, the book, those are things that go beyond you. Mm -hmm. You know, like my book, someone will read my book, and then they'll send, you know, from all over the world. I'll get Mm -hmm. a note from somebody who's had a huge breakthrough in their lives because they read my book. I've never met them before. You know, it's like, someone will hear your podcast, you'll make a big difference for them. It's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Our world, digital world, really makes a lot possible for us.
0: It really does. It really does. So, well, you mentioned, you know, having done a lot of work in the LGBT community. So can you tell me a little bit about your work with that community and what's really near and dear to your heart about that?
1: Yeah, I have been... Since the minute I came out, basically, but really in my early 20s, once I got back to college, um, I got involved with the KU, I, I'm a KU grad,
2: mm-hmm.
1: University of Kansas graduate, and I, within enrolling at KU, I went back to school as a non-trad student at the age of like 24, mm-hmm. after my dad died, died and told me on his deathbed, basically, his request of me was to get my education. Oh. So, mm-hmm. up until that point, I had come out as a young lesbian, and I was working in Lawrence and just had jobs and... You know, was living my life. And then I got and went to k u and I got involved in their gay student organization right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I became the president of that organization within about six months. And um that at the time, uh, and they still do it. I think all the site classes up there, if we would invite them anyway to have panels of gay, lesbian, and bisexual people at the time, uh, we didn't have transgender people then. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bisexual people were just like barely on the edge, right? right. So it was like, gay, lesbian, and sometimes a bisexual person would go and be on a panel Mm -hmm. and sit and let people ask us questions. Mm -hmm. And I did that so often. Like, I literally was on two or three panels a month. And then, um, so I did that over and over again. And then as I got, I was a communication studies grad, and I just kind of realized that there was this need to educate further. So I started doing uh, workshops. I designed workshops and started doing them in sororities and fraternities while I was in college. Because that was a place where I felt like LGBTQ people were being abused the most at Agreed. the time. yeah. And so I started educating that from there. So then that kind of just got me going. And I, ever since then I've done um, the kind of activism I do the most is I tell my story. And I sit on panels and I let people ask me questions. I also am a, an advocate for transgender youth, for any kind of queer youth being a, a suicidal kid um in Kansas because i was gay basically i landed myself in a psych ward from uh, trying to kill myself and when i got there i found out that what was wrong with me was that i was the gay and that i thought that being gay was a mental illness mm-hmm. and that you know i figured out oh i'm not there's nothing wrong with me i'm just gay right so for me that was like a revelation mm-hmm. and saved my life because yeah. I was. It was literally about life or death for me to be out or not.
0: Well, and at that time, was it still the DSM four or was oh, yeah. it still the classification at?
1: It, well, know, it was. A, yeah, it. It. Ha- I can't remember because it was nineteen eighty four. So I think. I that think it
0: still had not it shifted had not to not, not
1: shifted technically, be but, from the right.
0: DSM as a right, mental illness, right? So. But but
1: they didn't. But uh, luckily, I had enough. Like, well, actually, it wasn't even my doctors and stuff. It was the other people on the unit, I met my first Butch Dyke at the Mm -hmm. psych ward, and I mean, I was like seeing Fonzie, you know. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Uh She stepped off the elevator, and I was like, oh, and that was me. And It was the first time I felt like, oh, my God, there's me. Like, that's somebody Uh like me. And so um, that person basically said, kid, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just gay, you know. And so for me, um, the youth and the teenagers, I always said that if I can keep my nieces and nephews or any kid from having to go through what I went through, I would do it, and so that's why I've always been motivated um, from that place. So um, fast forward throughout my life, I came out as a trans person. Um, now I'm a transgender activist. I speak. I travel uh, all over small towns in Kansas. I'm a Glisten volunteer. I'm uh, getting trained to do Glisten mm-hmm. professional development this summer. Um, I just do anything I can to make life easier for uh, trans youth in particular. But also to educate around uh, gender. I'm a gender nonconforming person mm-hmm. uh, now, and probably by the time this comes out, because it's going to be I don't know. Oh, probably May. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'll have a show coming up uh, that I'm developing in June. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a one human show called the Gender Reveal Party. Okay. And it's a uh, stories and stand up and you know edutainment of my life moving from a young girl to a butch dyke to Uh, young man to a man to, then I've detransitioned, I went off testosterone last July, and then so back in the world, as my body and my mind are all female, but the world sees me as man, Mm -hmm. so it's a weird, I'm an undercover white guy, basically, so (laughs) yeah, yeah.
0: So you're, I mean, even for a trans person, you're... I guess there isn't really a norm for trans people. There's no. quite a variety. Yeah,
1: and nowadays you know, people, people would say trans. there's trans and gender nonconforming. Yep. I'm technically, I identify as gender nonconforming. People would say I'm trans because I remove my breasts and have a beard. Um, but And when I transitioned back in 2001, I never did it to be a man. And I would said all along, I have to be out as a trans person so everybody knows I have at least one foot in a woman. Mm-hmm. Because my friends that were men weren't out. Mm -hmm. They disappeared as men and went stealth. Mm
2: -hmm. And so
1: if you, back then, if you were out and identified as a trans man, that meant I'm a butch dyke that took testosterone, basically. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then everything changed, and I actually had a young woman come up and tell me that, like, I couldn't say she, I had a a young person upset because I would used the word dyke, and then I couldn't, I shouldn't be using that word, and I'm like, I am a dyke. Like, I can call myself a dyke. (laughs) She's like, but you're a man. I'm like, I'm not a m- man. I have a vagina. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, Yeah. She's like, you just, you're...
0: Because you present as... Right. Nicole. Yeah. And
1: she's like, well, you said you're a trans man. I'm like, a trans man is a butch dyke on testosterone. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the, but the things have changed so much now that a trans man is now someone who identifies as a man, mm-hmm. trans man, but not woman. Mm -hmm. right and so now I can't say that I'm a trans man anymore because I am woman Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I am very clear and always have been that I'm a woman I just wanted the beard and the tits gone Mm -hmm. and you know now I'm undercover white guy so I get all the privilege and all the weirdness Mm -hmm.
0: and you know so Jay just for our listeners Jay was on a panel
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know
0: you're doing your panel thing yeah uh, a couple weeks ago for the Transgender Day of Visibility Mm -hmm. and Yeah, that was something that you talked about, was the privilege that you get to carry in the Uh, world now as a white presenting man.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, not only was I a woman before, but I was a butch woman, Mm -hmm. right? And I was one of those people you could see coming. So so the difference in how I started to get treated once I started showing up with this face was stark at best. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. I mean, it's ludicrous and hilarious and... People don't believe me because it's the water you all swim in yeah. all the time. But I'm telling you, everywhere I go, it's like I get served first. People, I mean, I have to tell them to serve the lady in front of me, especially the gray haired lady in front of me because older women are invisible. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to tell people if she was here first. Um, you know, all kinds of weird things. I can't get served a Diet Coke to save my life. You know, <laughs> men don't drink Diet Coke, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, it's just really strange. And it's so not subtle,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not subtle at all, at all. And it happened almost overnight, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden. It was different when I was a younger, because when you transition, you go through puberty just like, so I went through puberty that boys do at 14, I did that at 35.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So as my voice was changing and I started to sound like Peter Brady and <laughs> like, ah, squeaking all over uh-huh. the place and I had peach fuzz on my face and I looked like a young man. I was 35 and people would guess that I was 18 Mm -hmm. and I was dating my current wife Mm -hmm. who at the time was 23 or 20, I was 35 so she was 24 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so I looked like I was 18 dating a 24 year old and so the way the world treated me as a young man was unbelievable. I mean Mm -hmm. it was like first of all everybody was for me like Mm -hmm. everybody was on my team and then men would give me props anytime I'd be with my wife. They'd be like, hey, buddy, is that your girl? Little Good for you. Back, a little slap yeah. on the back. I mean, I literally had guys hanging out of a vehicle one time. We went to a concert, and she was walking across the street in front of me, and a whole carload of guys didn't hoot at her, but yelled at me. And were like, is that your girl? And I was like, <laughs> and I just nodded, and they were like, dude. I mean, they just, you know, because I looked like I was 18, dating this hot 24-year-old
2: uh-huh. woman.
1: uh which is ridiculous, but I mean, that's kind of... It was a weird world to experience having been a lesbian feminist woman my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow.
0: And really by no choice of your own. You're just living your life and suddenly it's it's about people's reactions right. to... It was my choice to take
1: testosterone, but... I, it's interesting because people think, "Well, how could you be shocked by that?" But you just you don't you're not thinking about how the world's going to treat me. You're just thinking about how I want to feel yeah. and what face I want to see in the mirror, and you know, feeling comfortable in my skin and my body. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking it's trans people when they're transitioning are the most self-centered human beings on the planet. I mean, it's all about this mm-hmm. over here. It's not about what's going on out there. Yeah. So yeah, it's shocking because the rest of the world starts treating you, and you're just like, "Oh, whoa, hold up." Yeah. And I knew, you know, you know it, but you don't know it. Yeah, like you knew
0: things would change, but you didn't know know what particularly would change. I knew that I had to stay
1: out because I would be perceived as straight and lose my dike card and, Mm -hmm. you know, lose identification with other queer people in the community. So, um, and that's why I made sure I had to stay out, but it never occurred to me that, like, I would just completely just be, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like, all the privileged things that um, straight people get to do that, Gay people don't get to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like we go hands in to.
2: public. Yeah, holding
1: hands in public. Um, like we're not big uh, public display of affection people. We aren't making out in front of people. Mm-hmm. But just being able to go to a resort and not have to be concerned about holding hands with my bar, leaning over and giving her a kiss, or sitting with her in a lawn chair having cocktails with an umbrella under us, and mm-hmm. just spending the day together and reaching over and touching her and giving her a kiss and stuff like that. When I was a lesbian, that was dangerous mm-hmm. and it could be dangerous yeah. places and certainly in the 80s it was dangerous oh, sure. and so i was used to being very conscious of mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i didn't have to be conscious at all like no one's looking at me no one's paying attention cuz i'm this we're just a straight white couple yeah so it's a different world completely yeah, yeah.
0: when you, you touch base about being visible and that was something with the trans day visibility that it really is the core theme about you may think, a lot of people out there think they don't know any transgender people. But the truth is, they do. And it's because not all of them are necessarily out. out. Um, but that visibility really matters. Right. So, we' want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, for me, it was important because I'd been part of the queer community since I was 18. And so, I, and part of the reason that I was suicidal when I was a kid is there was no one like me. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And so, I just felt really alone.
2: Yeah. And
1: so, pardon me, um... So, you know, my commitment to kids is I will be visible. I will be out there. And I've had tons of kids. So I had kids come up to me. One time, the funniest thing, these, like, 14-year-old trans boys came up to me one day and said, You're the only old trans guy we know. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks, kids.
1: <laughs> and the way they said it was so cute. You're the only old trans guy we know. But what I, heard, I knew what they were saying. Mm-hmm. It was like, thank you. Yeah, You know, like, we don't see ourselves anywhere
2: Yeah, in
1: the world. And so, for me, that was so important. I mean, um, Ellen coming out and yeah. being an out person. I just watched her special last night. If I ever got a chance to sit down with Ellen DeGeneres, the first thing I would do is thank her. Mm-hmm. Now I was out way the hell before she was. I beat her way the hell out the closet. <laughs> I watched her when she was closeted doing comedy while me and my dyke friends were watching her going, doing comedy going, lesbian. she's a lesbian, right? Come out, you um But... Uh, still, um, we were out and we weren't out in the public of Hollywood and everywhere else. And so mm-hmm. for her to take that risk and then lose everything for it mm-hmm. and then come back, like what she's done for kids in our world, in our country. Because now at least there's young lesbians who can say, oh, there's somebody like me
2: yeah.
1: on TV. you know, There's still not trans people on TV like her yet. But that's why I'm just like, anything I can do to be visible and out and let people know, then I do. And I... It's so funny because I just, at first I wasn't good at it. And I would just blurt it out to anybody within five seconds of meeting me because I just didn't want people to think I was a straight person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like, I'm not who I am. And so I got a little more finesse around that and I've gotten better and better (laughs) at it. But but it's not an easy conversation to have. Nowadays, um, it's also for me coming out again. I've been out, coming out like, Seven thousand times it feels like, um but I come have come out recently again using they them pronouns because mm-hmm. that's the most accurate for me. Mm-hmm. I really don't feel like I should be put in one of those boxes. I need like a, both boxes or no boxes or something, so I love that they them and I appreciate the young people making that a thing mm-hmm. so that I could be a they them but now when i'm now I'm constantly coming out again because every person I meet that calls me he, I have to say I would prefer would you And, you know, sometimes I have the courage to do it and sometimes I just let it go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Um, But it's a practice for me because another layer of visibility that, you know, that I'm trying, that I'm working on really getting comfortable with.
0: Yeah. And I'll admit, even even the they-them is a newer concept for me. And it's something I still have to be very diligent. And make sure that I'm respectful of people and... Hey, I like the the pronoun buttons that we had that day, yes. the day of visibility or even the right. wristbands that I've um, used at some of the conferences that I've been to. Um, just because you know it's it's we've all been conditioned through society to put the the she and he and and they and them is, is pretty new.
1: Yeah, so I appreciate that
0: you're out there trying to help again increase visibility for yeah, folks that And identify it's that just
1: way. a neural pattern. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a habit. Mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like, People get so dug in, like, I'm not going to do that. I won't learn a new habit. (laughs) It's like, why are you making it it mean this new habit is some kind of weird, like, we're like, I don't know, indoctrinating you into some weirdness. We're just asking you to learn a new habit. And to be inclusive of all people. The other thing I want to make sure that we just say, in terms of visibility, is that one point seven percent of the population is born intersex, mm-hmm. and they're completely invisible. Yeah, and not only are they invisible in the sense that we don't we don't even acknowledge they exist, right? We don't, they don't even have a box. Yeah, there's no gender. There's no birth in in New Jersey. There is now. I think right? in
0: some other states are starting
1: to a see a few. More. There's like yeah, California. Four, New, California banned surgeries,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I know New Jersey has put an X on their on their. Uh, or a different gender label on Mm -hmm. their birth certificates, and United Airlines just made it so that we could designate ourselves as MZ or a different, you know, they're United Airlines is actually getting on board. Right. So it's happening very slowly, but what everybody else has to figure out is when you're not doing that, you're excluding people.
2: Yeah.
1: Bottom line. I mean, intersex people exist.
2: Yeah.
1: And... 1.7% 1.7% of the population is the same percentage of people that have red hair, so
2: yes. <laughs> look around
1: the room and see how many red-haired people you see, me but, included. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Probably how many intersex people are in the room, too. Yeah, and, that and is, some of them may not even know it. That was what I was just about to say, is that unless they've had a, a surgery or a genetic test, yeah. maybe for, even if they you know, something did, like that. Even if they did,
1: do they remember it? Yeah, that's right? true. I have a client who, at the age of 47, when her mother died, their mother died, because mm-hmm. now they are using they, them pronouns.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When their mother died, uh, after their mother and father died, they found their medical file and started finding the word hermaphrodite. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and then of course, like a lot of us who've been traumatized and had stuff happen to us, started having flashbacks and memories of all these surgeries and people in a, in, a, in a research hospital where people are marching through to look at their genitals when they're mm-hmm. five years old. I mean, like, oh my gosh. yeah, I mean, like, how devastating is that? right, to a child, to a little kid who's four or five years old, especially given our culture and all the crap we put on genitals. Yeah. And how much, like, and now you're going to let people just parade through and look at your genitals? Like, Mm -hmm. what kind of message is that kid getting? Right. So um, a lot of intersex people may not have memories Mm -hmm. of what happened to them.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, one One of my missions is let's stop butchering babies. Yes. And let them grow up intersexed and be middle. I mean, I think they're superheroes. And do whatever. Can you imagine? This person had an enlarged clitoris that she could pee through if they wouldn't have butched it up. Mm -hmm. I think that's superhuman. I would like to be able to stand (laughs) up and pee. (laughs) <laughs> and I have an large clitoris from testosterone, and it's fantastic. So let me just tell you. <laughs> like, as far as I'm concerned, she was a goddamn perfect person. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, sorry about my uh, language. No,
0: <laughs> you're fine. You can go on this podcast. <laughs> I've said the F word and like shit and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Um, inter- intersex, the conversation around intersex people is fascinating to me simply because it's not something that it's well-talked about or documented No, hardly well anybody's documented. talking about it. Um, and I think it's kind of only, honestly, people in the LGBT community who are even educating themselves about intersex people.
1: That's um, possible. It's kind of
0: disappointing, honestly, because like, as I talk about intersex with cisgendered white folks, especially, they're like, oh, I don't know about all this. I'm like, you need to learn about
1: this. Yeah. No, they're you know? too busy going to their gender reveal parties, which are actually <laughs> genital reveal parties, yes, where they're having they the genitals of unborn babies revealed so they know how to treat it. Yes, and if it comes out with a penis, it's first prize. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: I actually had a friend recently who did um, a sex reveal party instead of a gender reveal party. Um, she's having her third child, and mm-hmm. they had a pizza made and just had XX on it
1: because mm-hmm. again,
0: it's the this is biologically what this child yeah, is. But still, why but do you
1: need to know before it comes gonna, out?
0: I agree with you So you, you on know that. how to treat
1: it. Don't tell me it's not so you don't know how to treat it, because I'm telling you, firsthand experience, I guarantee that if it's got a penis, it gets treated differently and better than if it has a vagina.
0: I'm not going to argue with you on that I one. I
1: mean, it's... I guarantee it. Even my own kids, who I am very conscious about gender biases, and I still end up doing it because mm-hmm. it's... We're, we're trained. We've been we socialized ourselves, We are trained. Too. And we were socialized to serve and protect our boys mm-hmm. and to expect our girls to step up and serve. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah. You know. I'm not
0: going to disagree. <laughs> I will say that friend will, will probably do better than a lot of other yes. friends out there. That's for right. sure. Um, but... That yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, everyone else around her right is going to also
1: reinforce sure.
0: that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, now that it's a girl, they're going to buy pink stuff for right. her baby shower. I won't be.
1: Yeah, and we'll comment on how pretty it is <laughs> mm-hmm. and how cute it is. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's you know, such a weird world.
0: Not being someone who has reproduced myself. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm, don't do it. <laughs> I'm actually not planning on having any don't at this point. For, for multiple reasons. But I, hey, I respect people who have had kids and are trying to do better now than they, than like they were treated or that they see others right, sure. raising their kids.
1: Yeah. But, man, it's a crazy But the world domestication out there. is impossible not to be there. Because right. that's, it's just, that's what gender is. Gender is domestication, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's like, whatever you were domesticated toward is how you're going to end up showing up. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a choice about it because it's all wiring. It's just wired up in you, wired up in you. I mean, I find myself, leap, you know, still, and I've had 18 years of privilege, and I still, when I'm around my male siblings, will jump up and grab their plate to clear it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It's just my normal... I'll have it done before I ever know I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, I'm rinsing the plate, and it's in the dishwasher, and I'm going, damn it! He can clean up his own damn plate, right? But... He doesn't even think about it because he's used to me picking up his plate, mm-hmm. you know, or another woman picking up his plate. You know, like men who are trained in the Midwest, I've, I've, it's been fascinating to me because I'm an undercover white guy. Mm-hmm. So I'll be around a whole group of men who have been trained in the Midwest and watch them just push back from their plate and expect somebody else to pick it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm from wow. a Midwest family too. My dad's one of seven and my mom's one of five. And yeah, it's those family events. Yeah. I, Who's I, doing all the kitchen see. cooking? Oh yeah. Who's
1: doing all the cleanup? What are the guys doing? In
2: there. Yep.
1: Putting their feet up and watching football.
2: Ugh.
1: Right. I Ugh. mean, that's how it's done. And still yes. today, like I have a client who was raised in western Kansas with two brothers and a dad. And when she goes home for Thanksgiving, it's still the same way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's, she's like, I don't want to go home for Thanksgiving. It's exhausting and a ton of work and... Why should I go? And, you know, her brothers, what's the problem?
0: That's exactly what the on is. Her brothers are like, I don't even understand family. what the problem is. Yeah, the, the boys. I don't even get
1: what the problem is.
0: Yep. Mom's one of five, one's gone. So it's the two girls that live up here and the two boys that live in Mexico, Missouri. One on the farm with my grandfather, mm-hmm. who is now almost 92 years old. And body's okay, mind is not. But. He doesn't do any of the cooking. My no. mom and my aunt go all the way back there to do all the cooking pretty much themselves. And all the cleanup. And all the cleanup.
1: Right. And what do the guys yeah. do? Well, we <clears throat> should appreciate you. I mean, one, one goes down to the basement and <laughs> the can, If we TV, get a we appreciate you. Uh-huh. That's going to be about all you get. Uh, one just says... We appreciate you.
2: One,
0: when he's heading out the door, says, glad you got to see me.
1: I'm glad you got to see me and do all that work. <laughs> Thanks for coming <laughs> and doing all that work.
0: Yep. I yep. mean, it makes
1: me... I, it makes me crazy.
0: It makes me crazy too, and there's and, and yet I awesome. watch I it happen constantly.
1: It. I'm I'm in I'm in places all the time where I'm just blown away that men just push back from their seat and expect women to do it, and women do it. Yep. I mean, and women do that for me, and that's what what started to happen when women started serving me like that. That was the weirdest thing for me because up until then, you know, a couple things happened. One. I get served. The other thing is I'm now I'm on the outside and I don't get included in the women talk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why I out myself all the time. Because I'm in the kitchen with the women gabbing. Like, mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be in there. <laughs> they talk about things. Women mm-hmm. talk about things. Men yeah, just do. grunt and scratch and don't talk about much. Did you, you see know? the score? Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about real people stuff. Talk yeah. about heart stuff, which is what women do. But once you're, once you're seen as a man, then you're excluded from that. Like, they just stop talking. If I walk up to a group of women, they stop talking, and they focus all their attention on me.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to watch for that next time I see you at a networking Mm -hmm. event. It's
1: amazing. They'll stop. Everybody turn. And then I feel like I've interrupted something because I'm just, you know, trying to be a part of the group or whatever, mm-hmm. but no, a guy's here now. We're going to shift our energy. Shift gears. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. chances are
0: we were probably talking about periods or sex something, or kids. I could
1: or... talk about my period all day long. <laughs> I'm regular as a clock now that I've gone off testosterone. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Try changing a tampon in the men's room. Good times.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, that's something to talk about is the, the bathroom laws out there that... You know, we live in Missouri and Kansas, respectfully, and I think we've been lucky around here so far. We haven't really had anybody pushing that. They keep trying in
1: Kansas. We have enough smart people in Kansas that are lobbying for us to keep shutting it down, but they yeah. keep trying to yeah. pass a bathroom bill in Kansas.
0: Well, we're at Here's a point
1: now where Kansas has more
0: liberal representation now right, in this yes. area now, than Missouri now does. Now where we Ugh. should be
1: okay, yeah, Missouri's the one we got to worry about now. <laughs> Kansas and Don't Missouri have me kind me. of flip-flopped a little. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing about bathroom bills that people are so dumb about is that if do they here's what they do not understand. So you hear my deep voice and on my podcast. If you you'll probably see a picture of me, like we'll have a yeah. have a headshot. So if you look at me, I look like a guy, right? And before I went off testosterone, I had a brain like a guy. So I have man brain and I have a beard and I have a deep voice and I have for all intents purpose looking at me you would see nothing but man. Mhm. I have a female on my birth certificate. Mm -hmm. The bathroom bills want us to have to go to the bathroom where our birth certificate designates. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, do they want me in the women's room? I don't think they do.
0: No, because if If I walk into the women's
1: room, I'm going to have women scream and throw things at me and do all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you something if they pass a bathroom bill, and anytime in North Carolina, I'm using the women's room. Because I tell you what, one woman says that to me. I'm going to say, call your goddamn senator. I don't have a fuck shit to do about that. Mm-hmm. This is my birth You're certificate. I'm just following the law. <laughs> I'm just following the law. Yep. Here's my birth certificate. I'm just following the law. You ridiculous people.
2: Yeah.
1: It is so. The bathroom bills make me so angry. They make because, angry first of too. all, trans people, the fact that we have to be hyper vigilant about where we pee already is so stressful. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I have literally been places where i could not go to the bathroom mm-hmm. because there's one hole for the guys and it's usually disgusting mm-hmm. even in really fancy restaurants they'll have one cedar one place to sit mm-hmm. right four urinals but one place to sit a guy decides to go in there and take a giant shit for an hour and i'm screwed yeah like i can't use the bathroom yeah. i have no place to go i can't go into the women's room because i'll get screamed at and yelled at i just basically have to hold it so I have been in more situations where I have to just hold it, and deal with it, or find something else, mm-hmm. and that is disruptive for my life. Yeah. I mean, I'll be in the middle of a business meeting, and I've got about to piss myself because I can't use the bathroom because some guy's going to be in there taking a shit for an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. And how up? I mean, my God, we use. When you're in your house, do you have gender designated bathrooms?
2: Of course I not. I mean,
1: that's just stupid. It it's is like, stupid. Uh, I don't know. It's just the bathroom thing gets me really worked up.
2: Because it's so frustrating.
1: And I've had so many people have been given so much shit. The other thing women need to fucking wake up about is, like, if there's a butch dyke in the bathroom, do you think she doesn't know that she has a vagina? Like, (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like... You really really think that some guy is going to walk into the women's room?
2: No. Really? No. And so
1: not. my butch when I was a butch, that was even worse because you walk into the women's room, women know who's around them. They all of a sudden decide that you're a man and they will physically attack you. I've I've had toilet paper thrown at me, I've been shoved into a wall, I've been screamed at. I've had a woman get up in my face and scream like at like nose to nose to me screaming at me. I'm like, I've
0: had some other butch friends I have a fucking vagina,
1: bitch. You want to oh, yeah. see it? I mean, I've, th- <laughs> I've almost dropped my pants in front of people because I'm like, I just want to pee. Yeah. All I got to do is just pee. Need to go to
0: the bathroom. I just that's need to it. pee. I've had this argument with a few people who are, you know, anti, whatever. They're, they're for the bathroom bills. And I said, you know what? Here's the thing I have never, ever felt uneasy or threatened by a transgender person. What I have felt threatened by is a cisgendered straight white man in a bathroom before. So don't get me started on who does and doesn't belong because perverts are going to still be a pervert. And a, a straight white man a, or white man. a never been a case of a man
1: dressing up as a woman to go into a bathroom. To molest a to molest woman. a little no, girl or a exactly. woman. There's never been one time that no. case happened. Ever, 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 ever.
2: Exactly. They're just exactly. making exactly. shit
1: up to be abusive to trans people. That's yes. all there is to it. And let me yes. tell you, go ahead and book your book. If they do, I swear to God, I'm using the women's room every time and I'll carry my birth certificate with me. And throw me in fucking jail and I will throw fits and have all kinds of media about it because I am so done with this this whole thing. It just, oh, it makes me so angry like it is so frustrating to be a trans person and just have to pee as it is and you all need to step off about that like yeah it's just woo boy agreed. <laughs> so yeah that's a tough one for me. agreed bathroom bills are hard yeah it's rough Yeah,
0: that but can...
1: basically what happens is when the opposition to us decides a way that they can hurt us they just keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and keep, mm-hmm. at it and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it Until something federal happens, that's the good news is, you know, they did that with marriage. Where they just keep fucking with us and fucking with us and, mm-hmm. and fucking with us and fucking with, fuck with, fuck with us and fuck with us and fuck with us and fuck with us until finally we're like, fine, fuck it. We're going to go federal, all legal marriage, and you people can kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, and that's what's going to happen. We're going to have some federally mandated Gender-neutral bathroom bills at some point, and all these people are just gonna have to fuck off because that's. I mean, there's really, there's no precedent that says there's any, not one precedent for any abuse happening from straight men, dressed. I mean, from trans people, right? You know, and I don't even rapists and molesters don't go out of their way to put on a dress to. No,
0: they don't. They just. Good lord. Yeah. It's
1: ridiculous. It's so far fetched. It's ludicrous. It
0: is incredibly far fetched. It's incredibly far fetched. It's like you say, it's the creating a problem when there is no problem. Right. It's the what if, and we should not be legislating based on what ifs and fears and the. Well,
1: especially when we have so much other violence happening that they don't give a shit about. I mean, in New Zealand, they have one shooting and they start all this, and they start banning
0: assault
2: weapons.
1: Assault weapons. Mm -hmm. We've had how many kids Mm -hmm. murdered in schools from assault weapons, and we still. Have people saying, don't you take my, don't you take my semi-automatic rifle because I need to shoot Bambi 70,000 times before Mm -hmm. I can eat her. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a country with hunters. They hunt with bows. They hunt with, they don't hunt with semi-automatic rifles. they don't. They don't hunt with like so many rounds that you have to, a thousand rounds can come out in 15 seconds. If that's hunting, then that's not sport. My relatives hunt with crossbows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they take down deer all the time with bows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't see how we, why we need to have semi-automatic weapons.
0: I have yet to meet a an avid hunter who's ever used that for hunting right. or advocates for having that. No, uh, no, they don't. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it there's there's so
0: lots of sensible gun that. owners out there, and there's.
1: So we can go crazy about that, but we can, but somehow we can go crazy about bathrooms, but we don't give a crap if little kids are getting shot all over the place. We also don't <laughs> give a
0: crap about transgender people who are some of the top victims for violence, especially transgender, oh, transgender women. Transgender
1: women of color, of color. in particular. Yeah, yeah.
0: we are. Yeah. We are so worried about a little kid in a hypothetical situation, but. There's well, a I'm we a Glisten volunteer,
1: and our mission at Glisten is to make all kids in every school safe.
0: And tell us more about Glisten. Glisten is
1: uh, Glisten. The acronym used to stand for Gay and Lesbian Services Education Network, but it's been around for so long, and all the acronyms and everything that now it's just Glisten. Okay. And um, I'm a Glisten Kansas uh, volunteer, and we our goal is to first of all have LGBTQ curriculum in every school. Mm-hmm. My kids have not yet had anybody talk to them about. They've never had any representation of an LGBTQ family mm-hmm. talked about in their elementary school. Mm-hmm. They're nine and ten, they're eight and nine years old. They're in third grade. Mm-hmm. So they're from a queer family, and they've never had anybody talk, to, mention anything about that the queer families exist in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So we want LGBTQ curriculum, just so kids know we exist, and then we want safe spaces and safe adults. In every junior high and high school in the country. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting with Kansas because I grew up in small towns in Kansas. It almost killed me. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, I had a huge victory yesterday where I talked to three people from my hometown um, who are open and willing to be supportive of uh, LGBTQ kids um, in my hometown, which to me is a miracle because I just thought that was never going to happen. Yeah,
0: and And you you didn't have that when you were growing up there.
1: Oh, not even close. I mean, that was 30 years ago, but my nephew came out uh, there... He's 30-something, mm-hmm. and he didn't have that. And as of last year, we didn't have that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just there's just no safe space for kids in small towns um, to come out. So basically, like, listens, um there to educate. We will meet people where they are. We will train them. We'll teach them how to talk. <laughs> we'll teach mm-hmm. them how to educate. We'll teach them how to create safe spaces. We'll do all that. We'll do all the educating. We just need people who are bold enough and kind enough and willing to be a safe place for a kid. And it only takes one adult, right? It only takes one adult mm-hmm. to create a difference in a kid's life and make them safe.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's uh, what we're all about. So my job as a volunteer is to go find those one adults mm-hmm. and, and duplicate myself. What's been missing from that, me and Stephanie Mott, God rest her soul in power, um, who just passed this past year, me and Stephanie Mott and Luke uh, Malik ben Simone, <clears throat> there's another trans guy in Topeka, um, Stephanie created uh, K-STEP, which is kansas statewide transgender education project Mm -hmm. and she took us to small towns all over the state um, to share our stories and talk but what was missing and what is missing down there i mean sharing our stories is important because the only way that people ever change their heart their minds about trans people is when they can learn when i can love them you know when they can like me or love me or you know Mm -hmm. like they meet a trans person so sharing our stories is really important but finding allies and duplicating ourselves and finding powerful allies in those small towns is more important. Mm-hmm. And it's more important that, that those kids today have an ally and a safe place where they can go. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really just working on trying to find allies and find people who are, and like I said, I don't care if you're educated on it. We'll educate you. I just need you to be bold enough and kind enough. Mm-hmm. To, bold and kind. Yeah. Bold enough to be able to put up with any crap you're going to get, Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. And kind enough to be willing to be sweet to LGBTQ kids that are scared. hmm who still don't see themselves anywhere?
2: Yeah,
0: right. you're talking about that one person. There was wasn't there a study that came out recently that showed that having just one adult yes. in a trans or a, a LGBT kid's life yeah. is all it takes yeah. to help reduce their suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. their yeah. self harm.
1: I didn't like see it as a specific LGBTQ study. I heard it as a um, as a. As a generic, like, just kids in general, when their ACEs scores are high. Mm-hmm. And ACE, ACE, if you're not familiar, is uh, adverse childhood experience. Uh-huh. So, you know, depending on how many adverse childhood experiences you've had can dictate your level of success yeah. in life, depending on how much trauma you've had. Mm-hmm. But what they found is even kids that have high ACEs scores, who so they had a lot of adverse childhood experiences, if they have one safe adult it can change their life. It'll turn them around. It can mm-hmm. change their life, and yeah, that's they. That's a huge study that I think is fantastic, and it's so important because it just takes that one adult mm-hmm. to be a safe person, and that makes me so sad that there's kids slipping through the cracks and aren't even finding one safe adult. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that's our goal. with Glisten is to find that one safe adult, to find safe spaces, to educate, 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 and to continue to create the conversation that's bigger, okay. because. Once a conversation becomes normal to people, it's just their norm and it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, back in the day, when we were talking about, when, before transgender existed, when trans first started coming out in the uh, LGBTQ community, the gay and lesbian community were not happy with trans no, people. No, they were not. They were not nice to me. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the meanest things that ever got said to me were from gay people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, I had a lesbian one time I was going into a gay bar and I started to transition but my driver's license was my old picture Mm -hmm. and she looked at me and she looked at that and she looked back at me and she looked at my driver's license and she just looked me square in the eye and said, Mm -hmm. and kind of roughly handed my license back to me and said, you look a lot better like that. You know? And I was like, thank you. You're so sweet. I appreciate Mm -hmm. (laughs) you. Yeah, thanks for the support. Thanks for the support. Um, Yeah, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but as gay and lesbian people have come on board, gay, and lesbian, bisexual people. Come, first, it was like adding the B was a big deal, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh my
1: God, we just ignored bisexual people forever. Yeah. And then, but you know, so along the way, but as as conversations become normal, then it becomes normal, and so um, you know, I hope we get to a world where intersex babies are considered. Normal happy people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because they're intersex doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. No, there's
0: nothing wrong
2: with <laughs> there's them. There's
1: nothing yeah. wrong with them. And again, I think they're superheroes. They're born with all kinds of variations of of uh, sex organs, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of jealous about it. So. <laughs> um, so, but my point is, I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, hopefully, I will. This will happen before I die. But if not, I'll just die trying to get. It so that we are in a world where all people, every single human born, is honored and respected.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that, a that yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a great
1: goal. That's simple.
0: That's a great yeah. life goal. Absolutely. Just out to
1: transform the planet. That's it. Yeah. Just, just a some, small Just goal. something small. No big deal.
0: <laughs> well, um, luckily, there's, I think, lots of people out there these days who really are trying to fight
1: that fight too yeah i uh, definitely we're more people more people on my team than there's ever been
2: <laughs> yes yes i'm <laughs> on that is, team uh, too
1: which is very 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 great um and yeah. getting involved with the lgbtq um uh chamber has been such a breath of fresh air for me mm-hmm. because uh i live in lawrence and it's so white and so not diverse here and so and and most of the gays and lesbians have been like oh we're got marriage now we're done
0: Oh, and they so, feel like their work's done? Yeah.
1: I mean, it feels like it sometimes, uh-huh. you know. It's like there's a there's like three or four, maybe five, gay and lesbian people in Lawrence that are active and still, and, you know, involved mm-hmm. with stuff. But most of our, like, our Glisten volunteers, they're mostly parents of kids. Really? They're not other gay and lesbian people. There's mm-hmm. a couple. I'm not saying there's not a few, and God love them. Um, you know, I've got a couple of teachers and a couple of activists that have been in it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not, it's mostly... Um, we're finding our allies a lot in straight people, which mm-hmm. is brilliant and awesome, just different. You yeah. Know? But definitely have a lot more people on my team this time or around, you know, as we go. Every year it seems to get bigger, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, and we still have a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> a long yeah. way to go.
0: Well, that was part of why I joined the LGBT chamber too, was, you know, as a bisexual woman, there's not a lot of visibility. I no. For me, and even within the chamber, there's not a lot of bisexual right. men or women. Right. Um so we're actually starting a recruitment campaign they announced it last night recruit, to get some recruit, recruit. some more
2: diverse
0: people <laughs> in there we need more you know we've got the l and the the no oh, really we got the g we got a lot of got gay a lot men of g. we got a lot of gay men we need yeah, more we lesbians can. bisexual transgender asexual intersex whatever. Mm-hmm. just queer people mm-hmm. um but it's also one of those things of how do you get out there and find those people other right. than like waving your own banner and saying like hey i'm I'm this, and I want more people like me to mm-hmm. come join. Yeah. Um. But the fact that me networking as a sex coach at some mm-hmm. other organizations are like, you're a what? Right. Versus at the gay and lesbian term, you're like, oh, let's talk. Right. So it, it's provided me a, a different space to feel much more comfortable talking about what I talk Do. about. Yeah. Um. And I've had some of the most interesting conversations with people just because I love, I'm a storyteller myself. So mm-hmm. I love meeting other people that like to share their stories. You bet. And I really, really thank you today for, oh my gosh, for sharing thank you. your story yeah. and And thank me. you
1: for staying out as a, as a bisexual person because there's not very many bisexual people who stay out. My experience is, I don't want to blanket generic bisexual people. But I've just, you know, been in this community so long that often sometimes, like, a bisexual person will be out until they end up in a relationship with one or the other, Mm -hmm. and then they go away. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Then they become a lesbian couple, or they become a straight couple, but they're no longer bisexual. Yeah. Right? My wife has identified as bisexual forever, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people don't acknowledge that because now she's with me, so now she must be straight. Yeah. And, um... It's really, you know, it's just fascinating how all that assimilation, people will not let, like, that bisexual word is like, they still don't get it. Right. Like, pansexual is the word now that, now how do you feel about the word pansexual? Because I find that so interesting, because I...
0: I find it interesting, too, because I, I do feel like it's more encompassing than bisexual because mm-hmm. it can include being attracted to trans an people, intersex or a trans right. person, like Janelle Monet. She's probably the most visible and out there pansexual person, which she really just came out last year. And I, myself, really just feel like I came out at the end of 2017, and yeah. after I started my business, and I felt comfortable enough to vocally say, hey, I'm bisexual. And my parents are still kind of like, eh, are you? <laughs> Um, you know, You'll I, just I don't, meet
1: a nice man someday and it'll be oh, fine. Oh, yeah, all
0: right. And, then, and, then, and I've never really dated a woman. I've always been sexually attracted to women. women. I have had sex with women, you know, tried to date some, just haven't found one that, you know, right. was a good connection. But that's just more about finding a human being. Right. Um. But... I feel like yeah, I've had that concern of once I start dating because I am kind of seeing somebody right now who is a man. Right. And, but we've had that conversation about my bisexuality isn't gonna go away even if we commit to one right. another. Right. Um And we've we've talked about that, why is that, that
1: confusing relationship. To it's like I still am attracted to women even though I'm married to a woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that's not gonna go away? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you're not gonna stop. But it's not like you're going to act on that because you're in a committed relationship. And why don't people understand that? Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like that's rocket surgery to me.
0: Yeah, I think there is that kind of uh, assumption that bisexual people cheat a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's so dumb. (laughs) No, and and we have had that conversation that if if I found, if we start dating exclusively and I find a woman, it'll be a conversation. And like, hey, I'm going to go on a date. Like, we've agreed to, at least for the time being, be open, not be monogamous. right. Part of it is but if you were monogamous,
1: you wouldn't even consider it.
0: Exactly. Right,
1: because exactly. you wouldn't be looking. You wouldn't be in that conversation. Yes. You know, if you're in a monogamous yes, exactly. relationship, then you're in a monogamous relationship. It doesn't matter. Yes. Whether you're bisexual, gay, lesbian, straight, it doesn't matter what you are. If you're in a monogamous relationship, that means you're not dating other people.
0: Agreed. And the right? the monogamy, the open, the poly thing is really just about a relationship structure, and it doesn't matter what your what your gender identity right. is, or what your orientation is, you still have it. the choice of how you right. want to structure your relationship. And right. yeah, there are a lot of assumptions that gays, lesbians, bisexuals are just all fucking everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? that the, especially the bisexual person that...
1: You know, Maybe in, in our twenties, but damn, not God, now. I was,
2: God, I'm so I have had so much more
0: sex in my thirties than I ever did in my twenties. Let me tell you, I was in a you know committed heterosexual relationship through most of my twenties. There wasn't as much sex as I would
2: have before, so
1: yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah,
0: but. It's It's been an interesting journey trying to help my, my parents kind of understand
1: yeah, that sure.
0: aspect of me. The way I came out to my parents was I had them listen to a podcast I was on.
1: I was talking <laughs> oh, well, about how I was myself.
0: about to plan a threesome. Oh, my God. So the podcast I had my mom listen to in the car with me because my dad is the one with the iPhone. My mom has still a, a flip phone. Oh right. So my dad's phone was the only way she was going to listen to it. And he listened to it first. I was like, "Did you have her listen to it?" And he goes, "I don't I don't think that I'm going to play it for her." I was like, "Fine, I will." And after after the part of the segment where I talked about planning this threesome, she like at the end was like, "I have a question." I'm like, "Okay." So you were talking about planning the threesome. Did you <laughs> have the threesome like yep she goes see you and her i go "Uh uh-huh she's like okay and that was the end of the conversation and i've tried to bring up bisexual or like say she's hot in front of my parents just to do things like that and my mom's just very vanilla and she doesn't really react much but i've seen my dad kind of like i talked about being in san francisco last fall and i missed uh Fleet Week and Folsom Street Fest by a week. Oh, no. And I was like, dang it, I should have planned my calendar better. And my dad was like, well, would they even let somebody like you there? I'm like, well, I'm bisexual and they allow allies too. Like, it's not just for...
1: Nope, San Francisco has a border. It's part of the gay yeah, agenda. Yeah, they got a it's wall. Locked off. <gasps> Did you get a copy of the gay agenda, by the way? Because I've been out for 30 some years and I'm still waiting. <laughs> I know, right? And oh, then God. now I understand oh, there's a transgender agenda and I'm still waiting on my copy of that too. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah. these people would give us a copy of the, these agendas they've been talking
0: yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all hush, you know? It's just by word <laughs> so of mouth that we convey the in? agenda. No
1: way, they're not going to let me into this date. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a card. City.
0: <laughs> I don't have a punch card that says, <laughs> here's what I am. I haven't had it verified. And, You know, that was an interesting conversation actually about verification for um, LGBT owned businesses. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about going through, you know, the woman owned business and the LGBT mm-hmm. business, but. I don't really see myself doing government contracting, but we had right. a conversation about, someone asked me, well, are you in a relationship right now? I'm like, no, I'm single. Like, well, you're going to have a really hard time proving that you're an LGBT business. I was that's like, bullshit.
1: what? That's not true.
0: And they're like, well, do you have to prove that you're an LGBT business? I'm like, what are they going to do? Walk in while I'm having sex with somebody? Yeah, and be like, oh, of- yep, you're definitely bisexual. I'm like, I don't think they that they that's really part of it. They ask
1: about past activities and how long you've been out, and like... You know, things like that, but they don't, that, that's not, that's... Yeah, I was like,
0: are they, if, 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 what about a single person who just doesn't have that, a partner? That doesn't make any sense, yeah. yeah what about an asexual like, person? Are they going to prove they're asexual? That's like, not accurate. Just, yeah. That's
1: not accurate at all. Yeah, I went so. through that process, and it's just a few questions about, like...
0: Good to know, but yeah. I, there's that perception out there of, like, you've got to prove
1: yeah. what you are, that's but weird. there's
0: not that onus of responsibility on a straight person. Straight
1: person, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Prove
0: to me you're straight? Yeah. No. But They've also known exists. their whole
1: lives, but for us to, for any kid to know before they're 10 is, isn't that a little soon? Do you think they would really know before they're 10 or 12 years old? Well, have you did tried you? kissing a boy did or have you, you tried
0: kissing did a Did you
1: know that you exactly. were straight when you were in junior high? I think you did. Yeah. I think you had it figured out that yeah. you were straight when you were in junior high. Yeah. Nobody had to tell you. <laughs> Nobody had to, you know. I mean, for yeah. for us back then, for me... I just thought something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was I kind of felt that way too when I was little. When a girl kissed me, then I was like, oh my God, that's the thing that's wrong with me. But I just knew something was wrong with me. And part of it for me was about gender because I wasn't interested in... All the things that girls got interested in by sixth grade, I really felt so uncomfortable because I was clueless about it. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like there's some secret I'm supposed to know about someone was supposed to have told me...
0: You didn't get the guidebook? (laughs) I
1: didn't get the guidebook or any instructions on makeup, purses, all these things that overnight it felt like my friends became interested in. Mm -hmm. And I was still interested in the same things that I was interested the day before, which was football, Rubik's Cube, you know, like Mm -hmm. Electronic Football 2 at the time or Football 1 when they were coming out, right? In 1980 or whatever. So it was like somebody just... Didn't I just felt like this real? I must be the I don't something's missing. There's something mm-hmm. amiss here. Did you
0: get the tomboy
1: label? Oh, I was always a tomboy. Yeah, I, I was, was the tomboy too. All my friends, <laughs> I and mean, I was, I was, I was always a tomboy. Yeah. but I just didn't, I didn't evolve like the rest of my friends did. Mm-hmm. I evolved like a boy, like mm-hmm. I was. I I even grew like a boy. I mean, my if you were to look at my, I grew when I was thirteen years old for my 8th grade graduation, my mom took me shopping. <laughs> I'll never forget this. We were shopping someplace like J C JCPenney's or something. And she, I th- had these shoes that were going to go with the dress that she made me. And I really loved these shoes and I wanted them. And they were $40, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money back then. And to my family, it was a lot of money. And it was so expensive that she really didn't want to buy them. But then she thought, Well, you're done growing because you're a 13-year-old girl, 14-year-old girl. You're done growing, Mm -hmm. so you'll have these for the rest of your life. You can have them for a long time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That was my 8th grade year. I stayed the same height my 8th grade year all through my freshman year. I was 4'11". Between my freshman year and my sophomore year, I grew 5 inches. I started my period, and I got boobs. Mm -hmm. And my life was over, basically, how I felt about it. Mm But, I mean... Five inches in one summer. Wow. Just like a boy.
2: hmm You know?
1: Like, there's so many things about me in my life that were, if you had not, if I hadn't had a vagina, you would have been like, normal boy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Normal boy stuff. Right? But the fact that I had a vagina and was domestically trained as female also has me in that world of I'm more female than male. hmm Right? So, yeah. It's about domestication. hmm We just came full circle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we sure did. We sure did. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, um, yeah, try to finish the podcast off with just a couple of like kind of quick questions. And one of the things that I was thinking about is what would, if you could go back in time and talk to your 16 year old self about love and sex, what would you tell yourself?
1: Oh my God, about love and sex? Well, my 16 year old had a strategy of getting drunk and having sex with boys so that I could prove that I wasn't a lesbian because mm-hmm. it was safer to be a slut than a lesbian. Yeah. So if I could say anything to that 16-year-old, it would be, stop. <laughs> like, find a way to love yourself. And, I mean, I would, there would, if I could let that human know that being gay is not a mental illness then and that if I just wait for a little while, I'm going to find my people, mm-hmm. the It Gets Better Project is one of the best for that because yeah. what we're trying to say to kids is if you just hold on through high school and get out of wherever you are, there's tons of queer people in the world to connect with you just got to get out of your small town and survive it. And so I would go back to my 16-year-old and say, look, it's okay that you're gay. <laughs> like, you're gay. <laughs> you're clearly gay. So it's okay that you're gay. You just got to bide your time and get the hell out of here, and you'll be fine. And there's nothing wrong with you. You're just gay. So basically, and sex part, it was like I had so much uh, wrapped up in Catholicism around sex mm. that if I could go do that and, and do that again, it would be all about, like, you know, play safe and... Honor yourself, mm-hmm. because that's what's the most important thing. Yeah, and the rest of it's all bullshit. There's no sinning happening here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I got the Baptist upbringing. So oh, totally know you. what you're talking about. Yeah, buddy.
1: <clears throat> yeah, we're going to hell no matter what. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I grew up. Uh, <laughs> I did the preacher's son in no, high school, no so nice. I got the extra. You bet. Yeah. Ugh. Good times. Yeah, and as as a queer person, as a trans person that's out in the community, what would you say to just the general public? as a word of advice of how to build our knowledge or build our respect and understanding for LGBTQIA folks in their community?
1: Well, I think that um, being willing to start using they, them pronouns and acknowledging this world of to give up the, to be willing to give up the binary um, because the world is going that way and to get on the bus would be really nice. And so when people ask me about how do I be an ally, mm-hmm. it's give, It's not just about, like, being nice to me or being nice to just saying something when somebody speaks up and calls somebody a faggot or something. Like, that's good. But if you really want to be an ally, then get on the bus of the fact that we are literally shifting the paradigm of what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah. educate yourselves and get on the bus about the fact that there are more than two gender or two sexes, right? There's three sexes. There's male, female, and intersex. And intersex has lots of variety. Mm -hmm. So there's three sexes, and the gender variance is, you know, off the Just like the 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 colors of
0: the rainbow. Right, exactly.
1: Just millions of ways to be um, in the gender spectrum. But to get on the bus around that and start living it for themselves, because how it occurs a lot is like, Oh, that's your world and my world's over here, Mm -hmm. but it's all our world. And I promise that if people actually would embrace it and start questioning themselves, just like on that panel, I think it was Jay Marie that asked people to question, why do you identify as a man? Mm -hmm. Why do you identify as a woman? Like question yourself. Like you don't have to be so uptight yourselves. Like it's not such a, it's, it's, you're not, don't have to be so bunched up about it. Um, but so for people who are willing to be allies, um, I'm always telling people, then put your foot in it, like, do stuff, get involved, especially if it's around saving kids, but if you could just give up the, get on the bus of the non-binary because it's happening, it's coming in, and and nothing's going to stop it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a train that is coming this way because the younger generation completely gets it. Yeah. There. My kids.
0: That is one thing that really gives me hope in this world. Me is too. Is it's the only thing. As far as I'm concerned, we
1: just need to kill off, like... Every man over seventy. Yeah,
0: we're basically just letting the old generation just die let off. Them die like off. we can't change them at this point. No. Fox News has already gotten a hold of them, and right. we can't pull them out of that no. black hole of fresh no. Limbaugh. Let them die Hannity. off. Yep.
1: Let them die yep. off. Now I wish they wouldn't vote. Agreed. If we could keep them from Agreed. voting, I think we need to like have some kind of. I really can't stand the whole. Um, I think we should have an age limit on presidents. Like you should not be able to be a president after sixty. Because the mental capacity that it takes to be president and how it exponentially ages people, mm-hmm. I mean, look at all Barack of them.
0: Barack Obama, oh well, man, that poor man went look at gray. George,
1: look at George W.
0: He went gray. He
1: went gray quick. Yeah, he did. Clinton, even Orange Boy looks way older than he did when he started. He who shall
0: not be named. Right.
1: They age. Mm-hmm. In, in And no wonder. It's a stressful job. Yeah. So nobody over 60 should be able to do that job and... I think we should really put some voting limits on people who, if you can't...
0: Sometimes I wish we could take an intelligence test Thank before you. you go into the polling booth. You have to be smart
1: business. enough to... Not yeah. maybe so
0: much about current events, but right. let's at least make sure you've got an IQ above a 10th grader, you yeah, know? maybe. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I mean, I, it, the, all those things like restricting things, I'm I'm super progressive in so many ways, but I also just get so frustrated with with the idea. I mean, I remember... In 1990, hold on, I'm thinking around 93, I can't remember because I could be wrong about this, Um, coming home from a class at KU and turning on the TV and seeing C-SPAN debate gays in the military. I was in the military and I got out because I was gay. Mm -hmm. And so debating gays in the military and them spanning over the camera and all the sea of old white men Discussing my life
2: mm-hmm.
1: and creating laws about my life. And I just remember being like.
0: Because it was 93, was Don't Ask, Don't Tell?
1: Yeah. 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 Somewhere around there, it was Clinton, that whole thing was getting stirred up. Yeah. And I just remember it was around that time, the uh, early 90s, just being like, none of those people represent me. Mm-mm. Not one of them. They're all just a bunch of old white men. They don't represent me at all. Yeah. And so finally, we're starting to have some women, some people of color. Like, just now, 30-plus years later. Yeah. Like, it's so sad how slow we move.
0: And I saw something the day that I, a woman was saying, I look forward to the day when we're no longer saying the first black woman, the first oh, queer woman, God. the first yes. trans person to right. do this. Right, to, to be the mayor of the city, the governor or congressperson. You know, Sharice Davids, love her. But too. But the fact that she was... You know, there were two Native women voted into Congress, and they were the first two Native women right. in twenty seven, twenty eighteen. 2018, right. voted into Congress.
1: Yeah. Henry Syas, guy in Philadelphia, is a trans man who's going to be a judge, first trans man judge on the planet. Right? Yeah.
0: It's great that they're getting, we're all getting this representation, yeah. but yeah, I do look forward to the day where there is no longer the first. And that's
1: happening, and that's what I mean, is like those, yeah. those old white people at the top that don't want that to happen, mm-hmm. they just need to die off. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just need to die off, yeah. and then we'll be fine.
0: <laughs> Their time's coming for them. Time yeah. is coming for them.
1: <laughs> Jesus is gonna call them home.
0: And you know what? The longer <laughs> they sit at home and watch Fox News and live that sedentary life, the quicker they'll go. You bet.
1: The quicker they'll go. You're right. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah. Well, again, Jay, thank you. Oh,
1: thank you. It's been fun. So much. It's been really a great fun. conversation
0: today. Absolutely. So. Thank you. And look forward I can't to. Can't wait to hear the podcast. In. I'm looking forward to putting it out there for the world to hear nice. so alright thanks bye them coming with open the doors coaching you can find me on facebook at open the doors coaching or instagram and twitter at open the doors casey please rate subscribe and share this podcast of course but if you really want more tips and advice from me then join my email newsletter by visiting my website at open the doors my theme song is original music by matthew kusa until next time